It's Bibliovile, the terrible book exchange podcast where a wife and her husband get each other the worst books they can find. For this episode of Bibliovile, Mick read Up Close and Personal by Fern Michaels, and I read Take Back the Sky by Greg Bear. Welcome to Bibliovile, the Terrible Book Exchange Podcast. My name is Meg Dickinson. And I'm Susan Dickinson. And we are back here yet again to bring you two books that we read and just just could not stand. Mine wasn't really a could not stand. I just don't care. Oh, yeah. No, me too. But then I couldn't care for 350 pages. Did you finish it, though, this time? I made it to the last page. How much uh, skipping and skimming did you do? I would say that I probably only read about 5% of the pages. And if you like intersperse the rest of the, like if you add the rest up, probably about a third of the book. But we'll get into it. So no, you didn't finish it. Yes, I finished it. I read the whole thing. I know every plot beat. Thank you very much. I'll get into it. Okay, so you finished it, but you didn't 100% it. Yeah, like Zelda. Like a, yeah, like a video game where you didn't do all the side quests. Yes, exactly like post Pokemon Arceus, which is exactly one I bring up uh, for my cold open today. It's oh. so funny we did not pre-discuss Because that's the reason why you didn't finish the book, because you were too busy also playing Pokemon Arceus. Also, it sucks. Uh, but Pokemon Arceus is about, a, a, or Arceus is how I always used to say it, uh, is about what if you were the first people to start catching Pokemon, uh, and you're a person from the future, so you know, whatever, it's very, I didn't understand why you had to be a person from the future, but it is quite funny that it's like, this bird can make me go to sleep. What is going on? <laughs> this small rodent is somehow made of electricity? Yeah. And there's like, listen. What am I supposed to do with this? Oh, we're in a new land full of strange creatures, and we all get that. But at the same time, this rock has arms. Yeah. Why I want to make rock, it a pet. Why does this rock have arms? And so there, it is quite funny because some of the Pokemon in this uh, version are very good Pokemon and very nice. But others of it are uh, uh, buff. Uh, buh, what was the really crappy little beaver guy? I can think of it. Badoof. Badoof. All I can think of is his evolved stage, Beedrill, but I didn't think you'd understand that guy. Badoof. Uh, there's lots of Badoofs. Badoof. Badoofs. Badoofs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, around, which is also funny. But uh, in this game, they begin to. This is also <laughs> like seven months old. I never buy a Nintendo game because it. Well, I should always buy a Nintendo game because they never go on sale. No. So I should just go ahead and buy them. But I feel like you want to make sure that you read reviews and that people I you don't trust. I really fuck shit for reviews, but people I trust, sure, yeah. Um, so now I'm playing uh, this game, and it's very funny to see people being scared of Pokemon. And Susan, with your just encyclopedic, uh, Pokemon, uh, decks, encyclopedic knowledge of knowledge, what pokemon yeah. are uh-huh. your pokedexian yeah. knowledge of what pokemon are what would you say would be just like not necessarily the scariest pokemon because there's literal like dead children that yeah. are not pokemon but like what would be the like what pokemon to come across hmm knowing all that you know about pokemon i know a lot about pokemon i think war turtle would probably be one of the the weirdest ones because it kind of looks like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, but also it has water cannons. It's Blastoise. Doesn't War Turtle have that too? No, War Turtle has like uh, uh, the Flash or Captain America decals on its head. 
Uh, well, right. any of them, really. I feel like that would be a little concerning to see in real life. Also, anything that breathes fire. Mm. That would be a little frightening to me. Um, or alternatively, on a very different note, magic carp. Just like flopping around out of water. I would just say togepi. It's just an egg. Because yeah, you like it starts you drop it and you're like, oh fuck, oh shit, oh no, oh god. Uh, and then it just like pokes its little feet out and starts walking around. It's like, oh I guess that this Pokemon is also the egg. Mm-hmm. Which is nothing to say about Execute, which is several eggs, but it's one Pokemon. It's not even eggs, it's seeds. Listen, we can't get into the, the feasibility of a retcon here, because they're very clearly eggs. The name of it is Execute. Yeah, but they're seeds. They're not, though. They're eggs that turn into a tree. And if I had to define seeds, I'd find a different way, but don't ask me how to right now. I mean, yeah, when you think about it, seeds are just eggs it, that turn into a they're tree. They're just tree eggs when you think about <laughs> it. Susan, when you think about it. it? They're Mick, just tree eggs. Hey, Mick, when you think about it, how was up close and personal by Fern Michaels? I have to assume uh, somebody out there likes books like this. I got this book. I, I always like to tell the origin story mm-hmm. of where these books came from. I got this book at Mick's parents' house. And I got this book. They have a, a big um, bookshelf, Bookcase, as yeah. it were. Yeah, full of books, mostly which are from the like library book sales. Um, or the Stephen King oeuvre. Yeah. The Dean Dean Koontz Koontz. oeuvre. Yeah. Um, but there is also a a surprisingly wide array of what I would, pastel, what I would probably assume are PG romance novels. Like rom-coms, not raunchy ones. I don't really feel like your mom would go for a raunchy book. Um, but a a nice pastel rom-com. And this one in particular... Um, has a woman on a stool in a, a, a pink dress with spaghetti straps and some nice heels with a cat and a dog snuggling at her feet. Um, and it is called Up Close and Personal by Fern Michaels. And on the back, there is, who I'm presuming is Fern Michaels, also snuggling with a cat, or two just dogs. two dogs. Just two um, dogs. It's called two dogs. And so I decided that this seemed like a nice little journey for you. Was it a nice little journey for you? It's not. Um, this is the second book in a row. I don't know if you meant to make it a theme, but you've very clearly uh, gotten on tra- a track here. That is, uh, people I don't care about talk about other people who aren't in the book. This is another gossip book. You got me another book full of gossip. Good. It is also the wrong book for this book to be. This book didn't know what book it was. For instance, I don't know who this is on the front. The main love interest is supposed to have nice legs or whatnot, I guess. Is that what I'm supposed to take away from this? I mean, she does have nice legs. I don't know. Like, I don't really super know what goes into nice legs if I can't see your thighs, right? Like, I don't know. I feel like it takes motion to make legs nice or like a pinup pose. And this is just a woman sitting on a stool. But it's not our main character because she never wears a pink dress. In addition, there is a cat and a dog involved in the story that are completely ancillary in every way to the plot. They do not need to exist in the least. They don't even include a meat cute. Mm. Like, they don't even help with the meat cute. The cat is orange in the book, which I will give it that on this cover is orange. orange cat. The dog is black. It is a black lab. That is not a black lab. That is a yellow lab. If anything. Very clearly a yellow lab. Yeah. And so the cover doesn't even know what book this is, but the book also doesn't know what book is this. Because in the grand sort of wide strokes, broad strokes, this should have been a mystery. But it's not a mystery. It's just a things keep happening book. 
because it's not a romance because the characters like don't really fall in love they just are in love so they're at, already together at the start of the book no of course not they don't meet until over halfway through the book which is also annoying but then they meet and fall in love throughout the book uh no they meet and then hate each other but all are also in love Oh, that's most romances. Well, no, but there's usually like, a, oh, I couldn't help myself. I was falling for this guy. It was like, a, we're both pretending not to like each other, but we actually do. Hmm. And then we just, there's no big moment. There's no like, oh, we got trapped in an elevator or one of us got drunk and confessed their feelings. It was just like, a, we okay, then it shifted. And this is like a guy who I don't know, I know only read about one third of every page. Hmm. But like, I read enough to get the gist. And also there's a lot I, I could skip without ruining it, which I will get to here in a hot second. Don't let me forget about the Mystery Science Theater movie, The Incredible Melting Man. One you won't watch because it's too spooky. It's spooky. I don't like that one. Yeah, you're going to have to be closer to the mic if you want to be. Um, but... The Incredible Melting Man is uh, going to be referenced later. This book is a mystery novel. A mystery novel that forgot to be mysterious because it tells us the uh, answers on the the little flappy flap guy and then throughout. Because here's the broad strokes plot. I've teased it long enough, unlike our main characters. The... Villain, the antagonist of this uh, book, is named Sarah Bess Windsor, which for uh, a southern rich n- evil woman uh, is a pretty great That's a name. That's a pretty good name. Sarah Bess. I like it. Yeah. Sarah Bess Windsor. Um, and then uh, she had a daughter, Emily, whom she loved very much. She spoils her rotten, like quite literally, she's a terrible little child. But this terrible little child is quite sickly and, like, has something wrong with her bone marrow. I don't know. So Sarah Beth, Win- Sarah Beth Windsor's idea is to have another baby and then use that baby for its bone marrow. And then basically, like... That is definitely the plot of a Jodie Picoult novel. Sure. Uh, called My Sister's Keeper. Sure. And then the Sarah Beth Windsor adopts her away to her, like, groundskeeper family. Hmm. And then, like spurs her life to be terrible you know stepmother style uh until the the daughter runs away the daughter runs away at 15 and so uh the first probably half of this book is going to find the daughter in a place we know she is uh and convince her to come back home because the husband to sarah beth windsor who never who only loved her for a little bit but then actually fell in love with this other character named maxie or moxie or whatever who is just a would you believe it she's She's just so wacky. Oh, we love a good wacky character. And she has so many pets, and she loves to gossip. But he actually loved her. And so at the end of his life, when he was dying, he left everything to Trinity, the second daughter, because Emily did, in fact, die, despite the bone marrow transplant. And then Trinity is supposed to come into everything at 30. But also, if she doesn't come back and receive it by 30, then she doesn't get any of it. I mean, you can kind of do whatever you want with Wills, I think. Yeah, I guess. Um, But that should be the plot is what happened to this girl who left. And now yeah. there's a strange Will that came out. And who? why would he leave it to her? And forget it, Jake, it's Southern Town or whatever. Like, So is our main character Trinity? Our, she's in it a lot. She goes by a, another name because she's in hiding for the past... 12, 15 years-ish. Uh, but our main character is Jake Forrest, the son of 
Rifkin Forrest. Oh, no. Who is... Rifkin Forrest is the lawyer of Sarah and lover of Sarah Beth Windsor. Jake Forrest hates his dad because his dad very clearly loved this evil hot bitch or whatever uh, and didn't really follow through on his mo- with his mom, and so Jake kind of hates him. And so I think there's supposed to be tension between father and son, but it's like, dude, you, f- you guys fucking hate each other. There's not tension. You just don't you get just along. You just don't like each yeah. other. And so this, the plot of the book should be Jake, Jake, forget it, Jake, but it should be Jake hunting down who's this child that a will just left thousands of dollars to and she only has a month to come and collect it and why this woman and how is he going to execute this will and all that sort of stuff. And instead, the cover explains it and then a character explains it two chapters in as to literally the whole thing about the bone marrow and everything. So I'm willing to bet that by the end of the book, Trinity not only finds love with, what's his name, Jake? Yeah. But also... um finds a sense of family that she's been missing her whole life. I guess, yeah. She tries to forgive huh? the rich lady, but right. the rich lady won't be forgiven, more or less, because she didn't make any mistakes. The antagonist in this book was a little drastic, but I did I did appreciate her as like, no, I did what I wanted to do, and I don't regret it because I had the daughter I wanted to have, and I was trying whatever it would take to save her life, and I don't give a shit about you. You're just another, like... You're your offspring to me. You're, You're not donor. my daughter. Yeah. yeah. And I did for an antagonist, like an awful person, of course, but that's a villain of a book. And yeah. so I thought that was pretty good. That that part rang like, oh, this person can make characters. Unfortunately, this person wouldn't stop fucking making characters because there's too many characters in this book. <laughs> this is the second book you got me that is like this. Lord have mercy. I don't even know who's talking. I almost forgot Joyce Petruski. She blew into our little town like a whirlwind with her two kids, Betty Lou and Donnie. She came to be a senior of some kind. She had a crystal ball and did tarot card readings. She ran a little house between Barnesboro, only now it's called Northern Cambrian Hastings. The townspeople just flocked to her for readings. I went myself and everything she said came true. Betty Lou has the same calling, but doesn't exercise, by the way. Louis Summers and Betty Lou are friends. Anyway, after the novelty wore off, she had another pay, pay the rent. I said, Deke Logan. I don't give a shit. <laughs> This is what made it so hard to read. I was reading people ramble. You know how hard it is to listen to people ramble? The oh, weird. Is it hard to listen to people ramble? For the last 14 minutes, we've experienced people rambling, and it must be hard. But at least I ramble about a specific set of characters instead of everybody else. Uh, uh, I stopped taking uh, there. So Lisa Summers is the name that Trinity is going by, and she's been working in Pittsburgh or in Pennsylvania, a small town in Pennsylvania. That's dying, sure. And so Jake gets up there and pretends to be writing a magazine article about dying Rust Belt towns. Okay. Fun read. Um, and so he's interviewing a bunch of people, and he finds that she's at this bakery that's owned by two Swedish people, and uh, Trinity has basically assumed the persona of a dead woman that I either skimmed right past or just get sort of dropped in as like, oh no, uh, at the end, or near the end. And so she comes and pretends to be the niece of these two Swedish people, and the niece was born in Sweden. Uh, so wouldn't she yeah, be Swedish? And- ish. But yeah. anyway, uh, she's working hand. She's like working herself to the bone to try and take care of these two people because they like paid for her braces and sent her to college, and she doesn't really love them, but she appreciates what she's done. And basically, the message of those two characters is: old people can be fucking terrible too. They're so needy. 
And it's like, hey, I don't deny that old people can be terrible, but it's pretty funny to be like, fuck those geezers. Like, that's the message of that. Whatever. Uh, Seems like a pretty intense and kind of controversial take. Yeah. Especially since I think this book is for old people, which I will get to later vis-a-vis The Incredible Melting Man. Please don't let me forget. Okay. So now she's talking to her friend BL, Betty Lou, as the aforementioned tarot card reader's daughter, uh, Lisa Summers. Uh, who is Trinity, is talking and said, uh, Sven is having problems now too. Medicine is expensive. I stopped taking a full salary two years ago. I take out enough for toiletries and such. Also food, just like, just tampons yeah. and toothpaste. Rent? Yeah, Yeah. Uh, she lives with them. I don't want to talk about this BL. She calls her BL instead of Betty Lou. And it's like, that does not save a whole lot of time. No, and also some initializations work like TJ works yeah. like that is a name that people go by yeah or eight like for some reason there's always things that end in j but like bl yeah doesn't work uh so bl replies okay i won't i guess this must be a good time to tell you i'm going to philly at the end of august i applied for a teaching job that pays me more than i make here they called two days ago and hired me i saved up some money and i'm going back for my master's i didn't do it years ago because i thought mom needed me guess what she doesn't i know this is a shock but you would have found out sooner like, th- I feel like th- that doesn't only ring false. It's also just bleh. I wonder if they're trying to go for like the Gilmore Girls vibe of just like very chatty, lots of words in a very short amount of time. But the thing about that is that, A, it's television, so you're hearing it, you're not reading it. And also it's very much supposed to be like, quippy and full of like pop culture references and things like that this is just rambling and delivered by an actress with the biggest weirdest eyes in on the planet fair yeah so that that doesn't hurt uh so there's just full of gossip and full of people just saying things the minute uh so she uh jake gets there and she sees jake and remembers him as being her childhood best friend and crush that also she tried to hook up with and called at a frat house when she was about to run away but a friend of his answered the phone and was mean to her so she never will forget jake for forgive jake for as long as she lives she'll never forgive jake for his friend being mean to her i don't know she thought it was him or something Uh. but so her answer to he's here and he's going to see me and recognize me for who i am and that's a bad thing is I'm going to go back to my hometown because she's like, I'll hide in plain sight. And it's like, that makes a certain amount of sense, except when when he doesn't find you anymore, he's going to go back there. Yeah. Hiding in plain sight would be like going to Chicago. Like, yeah, you go to a very large city where there are lots of people. Yeah, so this she is going back home. She finds a place to stay, and this is a phone call that she has with BL. The minute school let out for the day, BL raced home and confided in her mother, blah, 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 called Lisa, uh, babble, nonstop, ending with, I'm going to fly down to Charleston first thing in the morning. I booked my ticket online at school. I'm not going to allow you to face all those people without me at your side. That story was so bizarre, Lisa. I got Sandy Yalterton to finish up my classes. I can stay with you for the whole summer. Don't tell me no, Lisa, because I know you want, don't tell me no, Lisa, you're tearing me apart. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, Mom agrees with me. Where are you right now? Okay, this is the best part. I'm at a vet's office. I found a dog on the way. Actually, the dog found me. I was at a rest stop, and he hopped into my car and wouldn't get out. I'm here in Crestwood getting him checked out. The vet told me the dog has a microchip, so they're trying to track down his owner. Cross your fingers that I get to keep him. He seems to like me, too. She laughed then. B.L. find herself smiling. It had been years since she's heard Lisa laugh. So she has a dog. 
That's how we find out she has a dog. Why? Wait, that's how we find out? Like, we don't see the scene of her at the gas station and the dog hops into her car? No. We just get it through exposition when she's on the phone with her friend? I don't know. Maybe. I skipped a lot. Um... Yeah, so back to the Incredible Melting Man. There's a scene in the Incredible Melting Man where... Is it spooky? No, it's very dumb. This is a monster movie done by one of the best costume artists, makeup artists in the game. Like, it was supposed to be sort of a scary movie, or more like a scream ripoff of scary movies about, like, gory monster movies. And so they got a really good guy to do the Incredible Melting Man, and it's really grody, it's gross... Spooky. Gross melting, like he did a really good job, but it's supposed to be like a take on it. It's supposed to be like a goof. The whole movie is, and that's why it sucks so bad. Is because then the studio was like, actually, we want to make it a real movie, and by that time it was kind of too late. That's why it sucks so bad. But they got a real good guy to do all the the makeup and everything. And all right, so the Incredible Melting Man goes around melting and killing people because he needs blood or whatever. Like that's seriously how they answer it in the movie. But in a monster movie, you need to introduce people enjoying their lives and then dying. Like, that's the whole shtick. Okay. One of the people, one of the groups that's going to be victims is an old, old, old couple that is driving to meet the main character and his wife for dinner. It's mm-hmm. her grandparents or parents or something. And so the idea is, okay, there's you got this old couple that's lost and let's root for them to, like come close to it but they're old and they're gonna die so you're kind of on your edge of your seat but it goes on for like 10 minutes that they're just in the car talking to each other about you don't know where you are of course i know where i am don't you trust me anymore and then he's like why don't we stop and get candy oh you'll just eat it in the car like i'm sorry i thought there was an incredible melting man in this movie and there's now just two old people talking but then it also gets weirdly randy that they oh, no. like pull over to get oh, no. oranges and he's like oh we're alone in this forest or whatever this orchard and like they start to get like handsy and like oh you old dog the exact same thing happens in this book that it just switches perspectives to two fucking old people <laughs> two fucking old people not two old people fucking we don't have to watch that but it's the woman who is renting Trinity, the house, because she's just like, hey, what's up? Here's a house, I guess. I don't need to see credit card statements or anything like that. Sounds like best practices. Small town living, being yeah. Being a landlord, yeah. Um, and so we get glimpses of them for pages and pages. Pages, I say. Nigh on chapters. What? Of them trying to get it up and being old. They rent Why? a racy porno movie that he is looking Why do to, we need not, this? to not tell her is porno. But we get multiple glimpses at the cheerleader covering herself with pom-poms on the cover. And then we get the, oh my gosh, this is racier than you told me it was going to be. I thought this was just a racy movie, but this is, I've never seen any gymnastics like that. Oh, I don't even know what's going on. We can just eat some pie. Oh, but it's pie that gets you all Who hot and bothered. Who are these people? Who are these people? As Jerry Seinfeld would say. And why do we want to see this? Uh... Well, but like, why are they? Who are they? Why are they relevant to the story? They're why did we switch not... to their perspective? Isn't That's so silly. so 
fun to get gossip. Gossip on these old people trying to bone. And then there's some stuff about peacock feathers, which I don't know if I'm supposed to insinuate some sort of aphrodisiac or French tickler situation. No, I don't you. really understand what the, the gist of it is. But then at one point, as Jake... Oh, sorry. They haven't met yet. Jake and Trinity have not met in the book yet. This book is around 320 pages. It is not until page 169, so just nice, just over halfway through the book that they actually meet. Lisa rang the doorbell and kicked at the door at the same time. Her hands were trembling, her legs felt like wet noodles, and her heart was beating like a trip hammer uh, as she waited for the door to open. When it did open, she blinked. How many nights had she dreamed about this moment? Thousands. His hair was on end, wearing only green plaid boxers. Jake was growling something that sounded like, this damn well will be good. I heard you were looking for me. Well, Jake, here I am. Lucky raced past her into the apartment of the dog. Lisa's clenched fist shot out and landed square on Jake's nose, making him stagger backwards with the force of the blow. That's for lying to me. She advanced and lashed out again, catching the lawyer square in his left eye. I don't love that. Lisa advanced further and brought up her knee. The hard uh, jolt grabbed him drove him backwards so that he fell onto the couch that was for something something and then he says and i quote "Ooh, that hurt the pain the pain the pain the pain so she assaults a man on his own doorstep uh but secretly she still likes him i think what the author was going for is they were friends when she was like a tomboy and he was a kid and they were like, oh, I hate your guts, and I'm going to pull your hair and put you into mud or whatever, and that's how we flirt. And I think what the author's going for is, like, no one ever really changes, and since they were kids together, they act like kids together. But, but you that, punched like, him you in the fucking nose. Him in the nose. Yeah, like... and they're just like that. I hate your guts. Well, I hate your guts, too. And then they just keep talking, and they say shit like that, and it's just... It's not appropriate behavior. Yeah, so back... Yeah. Back to the, the old people thing. At one point, the old woman is in the bush, like in her own Cressla bush or whatever sort of southern flowers grow. And that's not a euphemism. <laughs> I was a little concerned there for a second. Okay, so we have a woman's bush. <laughs> a woman's bush that she's she's currently flowering in. Um, But then... Jake is, this is what I told you about on the couch, and I didn't think it would come back up, but it's so stupid, it's stuck in my brain. He wants to talk to her, so he steals his cat and her dog, because his cat went with the dog. His cat and her dog out of her house, puts him into his car. He sits in his car. She arrives home to find her pets gone. She assumes, oh no, they, Jake has taken them. I'm going to go talk to Jake at his apartment. She gets back into the car and drives away. His car has been waiting at her house, so he pulls further back up, releases the dog and the cat back into the house, and then sits on the porch waiting for her to come home. If I came home and my dog was missing, my first thought would probably not be, I bet there, I bet this person that I have a mildly antagonistic relationship with stole them. My first thought would be, I bet the dog got out somehow. I think you're putting the table, or the cart before the horse here. Why didn't he sit on the steps waiting for her if he wanted to talk? Why did he steal her pets to have her leave and then put them back to sit on the steps to wait for her? Why didn't he send her a text message? I don't know. I, I can. Uh, when was this published? Maybe it's before cell phones were assumed. 
Oh my god. She has written so much. Kentucky Rich, Kentucky Heat, Kentucky Sunrise. A lot about Kentucky. Oh, wait, sorry. Vegas Sunrise, Vegas Heat, and take care to guess. What was the first one? Vegas Heat, Vegas Sunrise, and Vegas Rich. Vegas so Rich. So the same three in a different order about a different place. Uh-huh. This is copyright 2007, before iPhones. Some, but people still had cell phones. Someday. Someday. We are going to both check out like Vegas Rich and Kentucky Rich and oh. each read them and compare. Now nah, there's an idea. That'd be That's good. What That's a pretty good idea. Except that I have it? to read Fern Michaels again. Uh, so back to back to back to this. Sorry, I keep getting distracted with the, the nonsense of why didn't he just wait for her. Uh, the old woman in the bush, uh, sees her come home, be very mad at him and push him off the porch. But the problem is that he wasn't very firmly on the porch and he goes to grab like a pillar of the porch, but it breaks away. And in the midst of him falling down, his shorts fall off and he's not, I don't know. And he's not wearing underwear. And so he's trying to hide his balls and his wiener flapping in the wind. Yeah. He's Donald ducking it in a drafty dome. Uh, and he's got his bare ass hanging out, and the old woman is seeing all this, and oh my gosh. This is what gets her? Because he's quite handsome. But then they're arguing. They're Not for long. They're arguing with each other, and then she smooches him real big, and he, like, takes her shirt and her pants off, and she's into it, because it's like, well, let's keep going. And he's like, yeah, and let's pretend that she's not is watching. Is he still pantsless? Yeah. Is, so are his pants around his ankles? No, the dog has them and has torn them to shreds. And so similarly, he's quite turgid because she is in a bra and thong. It's managed to mention in italics, a thong. Oh, and no, her long legs and sweet derriere. Uh, and then she, the old woman is still watching. So they're like, okay, well, go inside because the old woman is watching. And she is she she thinks nothing more of peacock feathers after that. Oh, it, that got her more than the porno video. Yeah. So apparently, uh, our our first major makeout session is not the end of Act One. It is uh, over two thirds of the way through the book, and it accomplished not to bring them closer together necessarily, but to make an old woman horny. By the end of this book, there's a race to see people that we all know doesn't need to happen. They're like, well, she wants you to take a DNA test, so you must not be your daughter. And it's like, everybody in this book has immediately recognized you as, it's not a mystery anymore. You've ruined the mystery. And then she takes DNA test, and guess what? She's the daughter. She's the daughter, and she gets the funds, and she turns it into a school for handicapped folks. Mm. The end. They're kind of together. They are going to, they're they're going to get married. They don't really go on any real dates. At one point, they go to like the county fair and participate in a sack race. And during the sack race, uh, one of her bullies from elementary school, which is also the guy's ex girlfriend, most recent ex girlfriend, says something. So she punches that woman in the nose, breaking it in front of everybody. Why is she so She's violent? Real tough. She's just tough as nails. That's not a. Bless Good your heart. Positive character trait. Bless, oh, not every character trait needs to be positive, but this one seems a little beyond the pale. Yeah. And it's also like, bless your heart, you committed assault. Well, well golly. Like negative character traits can serve to make your characters more realistic and more relatable and, and more developed, that they have flaws. Well, she's developed already. But this is like, this is beyond that. This is, oh, here's my main character who routinely assaults people. Yeah. 
Yeah, other than her, only characters... Like, the only characteristics just show up in the narration, which is a bad way to handle characters. Uh, but then they win that thing, and they smooch a little bit, and there's implied boning, but we don't get to... We don't even get to, like, pan to the fireplace. It's like, uh, I'm ready for a little, and then she whispers in his ear, and we don't get to hear, and he hurries out of there. Does she have perfect breasts? I, we don't know. She has a sweet derriere. That's all we mm. have. Uh, but then I forgot... Oh, they're gonna get married on Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day? We have an epilogue. Oh, good. That this epilogue is, well, she went to West Virginia to her old, the woman's whose identity she stole. Oh, okay. And she, like, digs a hole on top of the grave to put something in. And then she uh, starts to go back and she's like, the weather's too bad to fly home and opening my school is going to happen any moment. And then Jake is there. He was on the same plane as her, and she didn't notice. Why was he on the same plane? Then they're like, well, let's go home. That's it. Uh, then there's the sign. There's the scene at the opening of the school. Mick, did you really enjoy this book by Fern Michaels? It's fucking stupid. I will say the best part of this book is the fact that it has Insomnia by Stephen King on the About the Author picture. Fern Michaels looks a little scary. Fern Michaels looks like she's 10 years older than she says she is, at least. (laughs) least. Also, both of her dogs are looking the same direction, so it's not even as good as Martin Scorsese's mom and Goodfellas' painting. It's a long road to walk for a joke you won't get. (laughs) That sounds like a you problem, not a me problem. Yeah, so is this book. Yeah. So is this podcast. (laughs) Well, I made my 31 minutes, so... Uh, Susan, tell me about Bear Gregg's uh, Take Back the Sky. Every time I looked at this book, I, in my brain, instead of thinking of it as Take Back the Sky, the, the phrase that popped into my head was, Turn off the dark. Turn off the dark. Turn off the dark, which is the ill-fated Spider-Man musical that spawned Imagine Dragons. I love to, uh, I, is that true? I feel like that's an urban legend that I haven't bothered to look up. I don't know if that's true, but I'm, it, it, it is spiritually true, whether it is accurate or not. It tells, it tells us a moral, even if it's not necessarily accurate. Yeah. Uh, I just like that this is called, uh, or the author's named Greg Bear, as in Greg Bear, Chicago Greg's. (laughs) um this is a sci-fi book that i has a lot of words that i don't care about at first when you gave it to me my my first thought was mick Mm -hmm. are you sure are you sure because we've had we've been down this road we've been down this road with sci-fi where sometimes you read it and you're like this sounds like it's gonna be terrible and it's actually just like good weird sci-fi Uh, this one was actually quite bad. So, this is about a man who is a Skyrene, like Capital, a marine, but in case. the sky. Yeah. I didn't even get that. I thought that was like a fantasy sky fi- or sci-fi. No, sci-fi like a marine, race. but it's the sky. Skyrene. Skyrene. Some would call that an air, an airman. It's a branch. No, it's like, but like space. Oh, like the space force. Yeah, but we didn't have the Space Force yet when this book was written in December of 2016. <gasps> he wrote a book called Corona. 
This guy predicted everything. He did. Like the he, fact that it would take an eternity. I, and that it would all have its own slant. And I, people would check their vitals. War dogs. So, m- multiple times over the course of this, this bibliophile project, I have suggested the idea that we should each pick each other a book from an author who has written more than 20 books. And I think this episode, we accidentally did it. We accidentally did it for sure. Yeah, because Greg Bear, I mean, this has got to be at least 30. Yeah. Um, same for Fern Michaels. There's yeah. just a lot happening I here. I mean, we know of six. Yeah, at least seven. Rich heat sunrise. Sunrise heat rich. Exactly. So... My thought is that if an author has written this many books, oftentimes, not always, oftentimes, either they have a ghostwriter or most of the books are bad. Um, I don't know about (laughs) Greg Bear and the ghostwriter situation. (laughs) That's the exact opposite of what I thought you were going to say, which is if they've written this many books, something must be going right. No, most of them are going to be bad. All right. Um. This one is not very good. It's just a lot of words. It, like, it just doesn't really feel like he put that much effort into it or the editor put that much effort into it. But follow. This is book three of three in a trilogy. Thank you, Mick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Skyrene Michael Venn and his comrades are marooned on Saturn's largest moon. Can They're mamooned. Yeah. Can we take a second to appreciate the word Skyrene now that I'm getting it? Yeah. Because marine... Is not coming from the root word ma. No, it's Reen. mar. It's mar. Yeah. Marine as in sea. Yeah, but what are you going to do? Skyene? How about thinking about the Latin root of sky? Arrow. Arrowine. Arine. Or arrowine. Yeah. But that sounds too much like a character from Final Fantasy VII, I guess. Skyrene. Um, they are in danger from Cloud Jumper. a race called the Antagonists, which are <laughs> bug aliens. Yeah, I know. I picked it. I was really worried uh, that it would be like a, uh, what's the original cyberpunk novel with hero protagonist? Oh, Necromancer or something like that, where the main character is literally named Hero Protagonist. H I R O Protagonist. That's pretty good. Yeah, and it's like a take on it. And so I was a little worried that by calling them the antagonist, I was getting you the like, and he meant to do it. But no, they just couldn't think of a better fucking name because he also came up with Sky Goddamn Reen. Sky Reen. Uh, they are fighting the antagonists. There's also a race of aliens called the Gurus. And in the first Goosru. couple books, they thought the Guzru were helpful, but now they're starting to really understand what the Guzru are doing in the solar system and realizing that they might not be the good guys after all. <gasps> the one thing that was pretty interesting about this book, like the concept that was pretty interesting, is sort of how like communication works. So the way that the antagonists can communicate with the humans is that some of the humans are able to basically just like read their thoughts um, and just like by being around them, they just sort of absorb all of the thoughts and experiences of the antagonist that's with them. That's pretty bad for an enemy force to be able to read your thoughts. But so the specific characters that can do this, here's why. 
On Mars, inside the first Drifter title case, DJ and Kazak and I all got dosed with a powder produced by deep buried fragments of ancient crystal brought to Mars billions of years before on pieces of exploded ice moon. We called the powder Ice Moon Tea, and my sensitivity oh, to its messages was what convinced Commander Borden to rescue me from Madigan Hospital, where I was scheduled for execution. So I'm one of what? the special ones. Glory be. Why was he going to be executed? I don't know. That happened in book one or two. Um, so it's like, again. As in ice moon tea, as in let's have a little party with like scones or yeah. like, not like ice tea, the wrapper that's just the letter T, but with moon in the middle. No, it like, it's a, it's a beverage, ice moon tea. Um, so again, the concept of like the telepathy is bad could be, but like then it, then the writing is terrible. And also we get there's no ice moon. How do you write this many sci-fi books and have no imagination? Yeah. Ice, uh, moon, uh, 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 tea. What's become very obvious is that the cavalry descending behind us in Titan's cold sea, other machines carrying other humans is no longer our friend. It may not know it, but it's chasing us down in order to cut off human access to bug history, the archives on Titan, and maybe elsewhere in our system. Our joint sponsors, the Gurus, do not want any of us, human or Antag, to learn about our bug origins or the ancient wars the Gurus encourage. If we're killed here on Titan, and if Titan is finally destroyed, this cancer won't spread. Our duty now is to survive, even if we have to join up with our enemies. Basically, they figure out that the gurus are basically treating humanity and the antagonists like the Truman Show, mm. where they're just like constantly watching them on television and they're trying like, to literally, like. Literally, there's a show about it? Because right now it sounds to me like Halo 1. It, not that there's a show about it, but that like the gurus are sort of able to see what's happening and they're like trying to create conflict and get these two groups to go to war with each other for entertainment purposes. Ah, uh, so it's more like uh, the Adventure Zone. Uh, sure. The other one, Amnesty. Sure. I don't really remember that. Yeah. I didn't really listen to it. For no reason, we get some tragic backstory from our main character, Michael Venn. Um, Is he like two different characters kind of put together? <laughs> uh, a warm, dry California night. I was dragging a rug filled with my mother's dead boyfriend down a concrete culvert trying to find a patch of brush, a ditch, any place where I could hide what I'd been forced to do just an hour before. Talking about good fellas. Why did we need that? Like, why, why did we need that to happen literally at all like talk about just really shoehorning in a tragic backstory like this is just absolutely ridiculous um let's see they're really unhappy they've spent their whole lives training to push us off mars and get ready to invade earth and now they're giving up and planning to get the hell out um like i basically like the plot summary that i've given you is the first 200 pages of this 300 page book mm. it's just like nothing happens they're they don't take back the sky they don't they don't turn off the dark they um, don't break it down no they like they're captured by the antags and then they start to make friends with one of the antags and 
then they start to kind of figure out oh, there's uh some just terrible writing but here's a real fun one and god damn it even with all that even with my brain telling me to shrink up like a penis in a speedo swimming through or a penis in a speedo swimming through a daiquiri i can't tamp my curiosity back into its prince albert can <laughs> Wow, more like dickery, first of all. I don't know what any part of that means. Even with all that, even with my brain telling me to shrink up like a penis in a Speedo swimming through a daiquiri, I can't tamp my curiosity back into its Prince Albert can. Prince Albert cans are, I assume, small. And also piercing through that penis in the Speedo swimming through a dickery. What? what? Dickery. Doc, Dickery Doc. Yeah, there's a there's a Russian character that they refer to as the Starshina, the daughter of stars. Oh uh, yeah, apparently she's just Russian, so I think it's just a Russian sounding word. Um, the Starshina, not Zarina. No, Starshina. <laughs> it's just like stuff just happens and then we don't worry about it that much i didn't even take notes beyond this point because i was just i was just kind of done susan before the book is up do they take back the sky uh they do take back the sky the very end so they defeat the gurus i guess and then they go back to earth but there was one thing that was kind of interesting about the end of this trilogy I'm assuming it would be more interesting if you cared, enjoyed <laughs> the books, and had read the first two. But uh, yeah, because of the way that space travel works, like they get back to Earth and they've been gone for like 30 years. And so when they get back, all of the people that they knew have like sort of moved on with their lives and like nobody cares anymore. So, like, nobody... Just like Vietnam, man. Nobody cares because when they get back to Earth, it's been, like, 30 years since this war was won. And so, like, no one is that invested anymore. It doesn't seem like it's, like, a big deal. They they, never got to kiss a nurse. they They were put to sleep for the journey back to Earth. So it feels to them like no time had passed. But then on Earth, it had been like 30 years. Where's the Where's the journey back to Earth from? Space. The final frontier? Mm-hmm. Not Mars, though, right? No. Okay, because just... it only takes 30 seconds to get to Mars. <laughs> um, and then the final scene, uh, Mike and the robots sit down on a couch in their apartment. and Watch what show? They... Watch what movie? Diabolic. No. No, I don't know what it is. The Crawling Eye. The first movie that was shown. They watch The Crawling Eye and they make fun of the movie and eat popcorn. Uh, It's on the right on the bus line. Unfortunately, they did not invest in Gypsco. So, Listen, you guys should watch Mr. Science Theater instead of listening to this podcast. We all know that, right? Speaking of doing other things instead of listening to this podcast. Or making it. Yeah. Uh, now is probably a good time to let folks know that we're going to be taking a, a bit of a hiatus. A bit of a mid-season break, we'll yeah. call it. We just uh, we need a little time, I think, to hit the reset button. I don't think Mick has finished either a Bibliophile book or a book club book in about a year. <laughs> All right. That's not true, but also fine. 
<laughs> no, I think we just need a little bit of time to focus on other things like, I don't know, the baby and our jobs that actually pay us instead of this weird well, goofy hobby. I wouldn't hobby. go that far as to saying our jobs actually pay us, Susan. I'm a teacher. Oh, so. yeah, fair. Uh, I, uh, I'm a teacher. Uh, it's a calling, it's a calling. It's a not a job. job. Anyway, so we're going to take a bit of a break and we will be back uh, at some point. At some point. I'm thinking maybe like winter break time. Yeah. We might have hopped into this a little early uh, with the baby thing where we were like, oh, yeah, let's get back into it. And then the baby stopped either sleeping or eating. And if it wasn't one, it was the other. And we're like, oh, wait a minute. He wants to like move around. And so I'm sure I'm sure by winter break, he'll be easier. Well, no, I'm just thinking that winter break, you'll have some time off work and I'll get to work from home for a month and maybe we'll be able to read a couple books. Yeah. Reading was never your problem. Yeah, that's true. And yeah. I'll be done by po- with Pokemon by then, so. Um, yeah, it turns out another thing that made it a little difficult to be able to invest time in this is that guess who took his first steps tonight unassisted? Our baby. Yeah, that is plural steps as in two <laughs> before yeah. falling over. But still. But still. Baby boy is mobile, Let's so life's getting complicated. Um, good work, Squeaks. But uh, with that, if you have any great recommendations, I actually already have a book on the list for when we get back You've from already the hiatus. Because a loyal listener, Katie, sent me an absolutely excellent recommendation earlier today, just in time for us to announce that we're going on hiatus. But um, we'll be back at some point, probably. Watch Mr. Science Theater. Watch the movie Prey on Hulu. It's pretty good. The dog turned our TV on, so I've been looking at the little logo. It's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, listen to other podcasts that are about stuff. If you want to read books, I would recommend not most of these. Uh, read some Terry Pratchett. Or nonfiction. Get smarter. Good night, Katie. Oh, uh, Twitter's. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>